I want us to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It's a short verse. It says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How many knows the flesh will get you in all kinds of trouble? <clears throat> but if we walk in the Spirit, we can, get out, we can get out of that situation. One of the requirements, the greatest requirements of a believer, that's you and I as those who are blood-bought in the kingdom, is to walk in the Spirit. Now, if God tells us to do something, then he must, in fact, empower us to get it done. He would never tell us to do something that, that would be impossible for us to do. If it were impossible for us to do in the natural, certainly he would empower us. And that's, by the way, is what the anointing is. The anointing is an empowerment to do what you couldn't do without God. And so he said, I'll, I want you to walk in the spirit. Therefore, um, if he tells us to do that, then there must be an avenue, an anointing, a, a way of being able to do that, to accomplish that. And then he said, the result of walking in the Spirit is, is, is awesome. It says, thereby you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'll get to that in just a moment. So how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we walk in the Spirit? Look at the Gospel of John chapter 6, verse 63. It says this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are what? Life. The word that's spoken that Jesus said, I speak to you, the word of God, are spirit, and they are life. You can work your whole life trying to profit the flesh, but sooner or later, one way or the other, the flesh will go by way of the grave. It's going to die. But the spirit is forever and forever and forever. Everybody just say forever. Just say forever. It's forever. And he said that the words that I speak, the word of God that's spoken is spirit and life. And we're commanded to walk in the spirit. Church, the word is the spirit and the word has to be what you base your life upon and not your feelings and not your goosebumps and not your emotions. Come on, somebody. Because if we go by our emotions, it's like the wave in the sea. It's tossed here and there, moves in and out, goes up and down. It's not reliable. It's not linear in the sense that it's flat and it's able to sustain and have a foundation. No, it's something that's always moving. It's moving with the next bit of wind that hits it or undercurrent that draws it or drags it. Therefore, you cannot be moved by your, or you've been led rather by your feelings and emotions. But unfortunately, most people are. And they think if I feel this or I feel that, if I don't feel this, if I don't feel that, that then tells me the choices that I'm going to make in my life. But the word of God is spirit. And to walk in the spirit, you must walk by the word and not by your feelings and your emotions. Because if you go by your feelings and your emotions, you're going to end up doing what's called the works of the flesh. And the flesh brings death, but the spirit always brings life. It's impossible to be spiritual without the word. And the word directly affects your mind. 
Why is that important? Because to have the change that you and I desire in our life, it will require a proper mindset. A mindset that's in line with the Word of God and not just your opinion. We are to live by a set of principles, church, and not by our own personal opinions. And I know that sometimes you think your opinion's right. Matter of fact, I think my opinion's always right too. But it might be a little bit shaded. It might be a little bit jaded. We might be bringing a little bit of our past experiences that might not always be the truth in the first place into our situation thinking that's the best scenario. But the truth of the matter is, is the truth always outweighs and outlasts the opinion. Because I noticed something. I don't even think the same way I did 10 years ago. I'm always changing while I'm being renewed. I'm being reminded, reminded of what the word has to say rather than my opinion. So we go by our experiences thinking that's the most important thing because I went through this or I went through that. And there's some truth in that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's all truth. And opinions, everybody's got one. You never know who's telling the truth. So again, you have to set your mind on the word of God because living the word of God is living principles. That will always outlast everything else. We set our life up according to the principles, the word of God. And one way to do that is found in James chapter 122, where it says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So the Bible is clear that we're not supposed to be sitting up in church only to listen. That's a good start. I said, that's a good start. But there's something else called being a doer of the word. And doers of the word activate the promises of God in your life. So you can have all the promise and all the assurance of all the great things that God's going to do in your life. But if you don't become a doer, activating what God said in his word by doing it and acting it out, that you will never receive the promise of God. So how many doers do we have in the room today? That should be 100% participation right there. Because if you're not a doer of the word, it can actually become dangerous to just listen to the word. Because the Bible says you begin to deceive yourself. Deceiving yourself. So self-deception is the worst kind of deception because you don't even know you're deceived. What's the warning? If we don't listen and activate it by doing, we will become deceived. And that word deception here, it's interesting because that word in the Greek translates this way. It means to charm. It means to, it means to enchant. It means to entrance. It means to woo. Woo, woo, woo. Come on, somebody. It means to captivate. Bewitch. These are all witchcraft terms. It means to spellbind, dazzle. It means to hypnotize, mesmerize, and seduce. The long, that's why people have been in church so long and haven't activated the word of God and wonder why their life is not running the right way. They're under a spell. They've enchanted themselves. It's a bunch of witchcraft and it's a bunch of religion. And people are under that being wooed into that thinking that's the way it's supposed to be. And in fact, it's the very thing that's taking them down. God don't want his people to be religious. He wants us to have relationship with him. And look what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. 
And by the way, these are the works of the flesh I'm about to list out here. We're going to read from the word. And, um, and the Bible says, we walk in the spirit will not fulfill these works of the flesh. Now watch this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery and fornication. Let me read that one more time. That's exactly what it says. Adultery and fornication. Adultery and fornication. Well, if you don't like it, you're not comfortable, just scratch it out. Why don't you just rip that out of the Bible? Just take it right out. Who cares, right? You ain't going to live it anyways. Why are we playing a game here? It's either what it says it is or it isn't. Well, that's what God, he's just trying to keep me from my fun. He's trying to keep you out of hell. Not from your fun. And once you get married to the right one, don't trust yourself. Get people around you who can say, I don't know. But once you get the right one, and you put a ring on it, all the sex you want. Come on, somebody say amen. It's fun. It's fun. But other than that, come on, somebody. And all my single people out there, let me just tell you something. I'd rather see you wait than go, I can't take it no more, Pastor. I can't do it no more. There's only so many cold showers you can have. I got to marry something, anything. Please, Jesus, anybody. That's how you get in trouble. I said, that's how you get in trouble. You can. <laughs> you're not just, look, you're not, all, you're not just made to have sex in life. Really. That's the truth. You can do other things too. I'm a sex machine. That's your problem. Hold up. Hold up. Flesh is adulterous, work of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, that's putting things before God, sorcery, hatred, contentions, people, they're contentious, they're, they, they're filled with hate, uh, jealousies, always comparing one another to another person, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice doers of the flesh, come on somebody, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's there. It's black and white. It's what it says. But he will anoint us empower us to walk in the spirit so that we won't fulfill these things the ultimate objective as a believer is to be more like jesus so we wake up every day we want to be more conformed to the image of christ not to the image of jeff or what i see out there in the world matter of fact romans 12 2 says and do not be conformed to this world we know more about the kardashians than we know about first and second corinthians I'm just telling you the truth. We know more what's going out there in the world than we have, we have a clue what's happening in the Word of God. It's either the Word or the world. Which one's it going to be? Because the world will take you all the way to God. Will take you all the way to your promises. Take you all the way to your destiny. But the world hasn't a clue. It doesn't have a clue how to do that. So it says don't be conformed. Don't be like or fashioned like. Not just the outward appearance, 
but the inward ways, the thought patterns and the heart patterns of the world. But you be transformed. All of us are looking to be transformed, to be something other than what we've been. We don't want 2018 to bleed into 2019. We want to be different. We want some change to happen. And he gives us the clue. He says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something's got to happen here, folks. I got to change something in my system the way the creative systems that I've gotten had since maybe since I've been a child, whatever it may be. But I've got to renew that according to God's word that I may prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God for my life. I know if I go the way of the world, I'm going to have more trouble. But if I want true transformation, I've got to renew my mind. I got to be reminded, reminded. Of God's word. Somebody say amen. amen. So in order for change to happen in your life, you're going to have to renew your mind. Change happens here first. That's why you got to be real careful about crazy uh, doctrines that are out there today. Like 20 years ago, we used to tell people that all the time. I, I did all the time. Be careful. It's out there because stuff floats around all the time. Books and stuff like that and things you see on television. But nowadays, you just got to have a, a computer screen. And there's so much garbage and people saying this and that and here's what the Bible really means and here's what it really says and they don't have a clue what they're talking about. But because they got a little bit of a name or, or a little bit of a following, we think that they've got all the answers. You got to be really careful who you let into your world in today's, in today's world. Amen, somebody. Because it's, it's, there's stuff that's out there. The Bible says in the last days, even the elect, if possible, will be what? Deceived, enchanted, wooed away spellbound, seduced. So we've got to be careful. How are we careful? By knowing what the Word of God says. Congratulations. You made it to the house of God today, which tells me you're serious about knowing what God's Word has to say about your life. Give yourself a round of applause. You did it. So, Pastor, I don't know enough. We all don't know enough, but we're learning together, aren't we? And the word of God will determine the way you think. And the way you think will determine the way you believe. And the way you believe will determine what you speak. And what you speak will determine what you will have. Did you all catch that? Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Because whatever I say is what I'm going to have. I got to back that up. I got to back that up. So whatever I say is what I'm going to have. But why? Because it comes out of my belief system, which comes out of what? The way I think. According to what? The word of God or the will of man? Which one's it going to be? Because each is creating a pattern of a belief system in my life. And at the end of the day, I'm going to speak it. That's why he said, you've got to make sure the word of God does not depart from your mouth. But what? You shall meditate in it day night night and day god takes this serious so for me to read the word of god is one thing but when i want to remind myself or renew my mind i've got to get that word in me day and night and night and day until it does what it becomes a part of my belief system until what until it does what until it comes up out of my mouth the word of god 
shall not depart from your mouth, God says, but you're going to meditate, think it, and think it, and think it day and night, that you may what? Observe to do according to all that's written in it. You have to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Everybody wants to prosper. Nobody woke up thinking, man, I can't wait to have lack today. Boy, I can't wait to have lack. I don't want to pay my bills at all this month. I just want that bill collector counting me and collecting, and I don't want no food. I don't want to eat nothing. I mean, put me out in the street. I'm fine. <laughs> Nobody's doing that. We all want to prosper, and we all want to be what? Successful. That's relative. Your success may not be mine, but to you, it's achieving a particular goal. We want our children to be what? Successful. We want them to be what? Prosperous. Well, God wants his children prosperous and successful. So he says, here's how you do it. You've got to renew your mind because your mind is always filled with lack and fear of not having enough. Well, I'm preaching real good now. So now we make decisions based on what we don't think we have. When he has provided a super abundant overflow in our lives of more than enough. His name is El Shaddai, which is more than enough. But we don't think that we can have that more than enough supply. Therefore, we make arrangements to lose rather than to win. But if we'll get the word of God on it and find out what God's word says about it, get it in our mouth, meditate it day and night, night and day, then activate it by, come on, stepping out in faith and beginning to do it. What happens? I'm going to make my way prosperous and I'm going to have good success. Amen. So what is renewing the mind? What is it? It's changing your thoughts, your ideas, your beliefs for God's thoughts, God's ideas, God's beliefs. Changing or exchanging your thoughts, ideas, and beliefs for God's thoughts, ideas, and beliefs. Learning, church, is not renewing your mind. M memorizing is not renewing your mind. I memorize all these scriptures, I'll renew my mind. Not going to happen. No. It requires practice and participation. That's why God would rather have you step out and make mistakes. Because he knows that when you stepped out, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when you stepped out and made the mistake, it's forever ingrained in your mind and you'll say okay I won't ever do that again but now I know I can do this and I didn't even think I could do that before I learned something new about myself by doing what being a practitioner of my faith rather than by a spectator of my faith watching everybody else go by going oh that's cool you'll never really know until you yourself step out I'm going to say it one more time You'll never really know until you yourself step out. But I remember, I remember that was on the first service, I thought about it, the first service, that I was a pretty smart kid, and I, uh, I, was, I was kind of one of those guys that uh, I hated school. I mean, I, I went to school for one reason. Come on, you know. My friends, well, mostly girls, and then my friends. Come on, somebody. I mean, because I had to. You had to go to school. Right? You had to, it's a law. You had to go to school. So I always tried to make it a social thing. 
And I would, put, I would not apply myself ever. I just was not a school guy. That's not my deal. And so, um, but because I was sort of smart, I could cram. Everybody remember cramming? For a test. So I would be able to do all my homework, boom, get it all done, one week worth of homework done, just one night, and then I could do all my tests done and just have a hard night and get it done. A few hours, bang, memorize it, get it in my head, take the test, pass it. And usually A or B did pretty good. But you couldn't tell me, you couldn't, if I was trying to retake that test, even a few days later, I'd fail it miserably. You know why? Because I only allowed my brain to retain the information for 24 hours. Come on, somebody. I had it memorized. And as long as I had it memorized, I was okay. But as soon as I didn't practice, put into practice what I had learned, I lost all the information. Isn't that true of us? Sometimes it's like before we get, a, we get a test in life, and it's like we cram. Now we're cramming. Oh, God, it's coming. Here comes the big test. And now we're trying to cram and memorize it, and nothing changes. And we wonder why, because we never allowed it to change or transform the way we thought. Am I talking to at least two or three people here today? Amen. Remember what James said. Faith without works is dead. Faith is corresponding action to what you believe. He said, if there's no works behind it, it's dead. Can't live. Done. Done. All right? Hang with me. I get real weary of seeing people who name the name of Christ and live like the devil now, I back out of it. I get my big, I, it really, it's none of my business. So I got to back out of what I feel about it and let God be God in their situation, right? My job is to preach it. I can't live it for anybody. I got to live it for myself. So, but it, it's frustrating when you think people should know by now and they still live like the world and name the name of Jesus and I got to stand up here and tell you the truth. I don't mean to put fear in you, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. That Jesus said many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name and cleanse the lepers in your name? And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Well, hold on now, Pastor. I believe in Jesus. So what? The demons believe too and tremble at his name, but they ain't going to heaven. It's not believing enough. enough. It's not just believing. You have to have corresponding action. I want to know that I can see it in your life that you are born again, child of God. Nobody should have to tell me I should see your good works. Have you ever done that before? You ran into somebody, had a conversation, go, I just know they're a Christian. I can tell by the way they talk. I can tell by the way they carry themselves. I can tell by that thing in their eye, by the things that the kindness of the world. I can tell. And you say, can I ask you, are you a Christian? Well, yes, I am. Hallelujah. Have you ever done that before? It's called bearing witness. I bear witness with them that they're a born-again child of God, right? There's just something about it. 
then how is it sometimes I'm in the presence of people who say they're Christians and I'm not bearing witness? Don't you judge them, Pastor. Well, if we don't start coming to reality and talking the truth around here, those people are going to go to hell because they think their religion's going to save them. And Jesus didn't die to infuse us with religion. He died and was rose from the dead so that we can live in Christ and have a relationship with him until we can walk like he walked on earth. And by the way, church, everybody knew who Jesus was. Nobody go, I wonder if he's, I wonder if he's God's man or not. They all knew. By the way, choices produce action. God doesn't choose for you. You make the choice for yourself. He doesn't take your hands and start making you do the right things with them. He says, this is life, this is death, choose. You take your hands and you do what you want to do with them. He doesn't take your tongue and make you speak the right words to people. You use your tongue. He doesn't come to your house and get your vacuum cleaner out of your closet and vacuum your carpet for you, your nasty, dirty carpet. You got to vacuum it yourself. Amen. He doesn't, come on, if you want education, he will not go to school for you to give you an education. You got to get up and thank him for his favor and go get an education yourself. And your neighbor and your family ain't going to get saved all by themselves. You're going to have to walk over their house, have them over supper, and tell them about who Jesus is in your life. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 16, please. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, took him by the shoulders is what that means. Took him by the shoulders and shook him. Rebuke here means to grab by the shoulders and shake. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. While he's shaking him. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, forever in a day I thought turn meant he turned toward him. Like he's, Peter's yelling, he's rebuking him, yelling at him. And then Jesus got his attention, Jesus turned toward him. But that word, that word rebuke means he grabbed him by the shoulders and shook him. He was already facing him. And then Jesus turned. Watch this. Not toward him, but away from him. And then he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God. You need your mind renewed. You actually think you're doing something good and you're stopping the plan of God. You're stopping the very thing that can save you. Because his mind was not ready to receive what Jesus was about to do. And that's what happens to us. We're not prepared to actually hear what God wants to say. But the thing he's saying is the thing we need to save our lives. So we have to, it's a process of renewing our minds to it. Amen. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Whatever you put your mind on is where your actions follow. 
Your spirit's going to get involved with it or your flesh is going to get involved with it. Which direction is your mind going to go in today? If it's full of fear, fearful things become a part of your life. Are you hearing me? If it's anger, anger, anger issues come into your life. If it's lust, lustful issues come into your life. Whatever it is. Church, just because you're saved doesn't mean everything automatically changes in your life. So there's going to be a war. Don't feel bad that the moment you got saved, you say, I'm still, 10 years later, I'm still dealing with this. It's not, you thought it was all going to go away the moment you got saved. The thing that changed in your life was the internal you, who you are. You get to go to heaven forever. You've been regenerated. But I found out something. I needed time from the time I got saved in 1989 to now. I need time to build my character. I told the first service, I said, I got a book about dying to self, which is talking about self-discipline and, 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 and keeping yourself under it. And, 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 you know, that's how you really connect with God. And it, it's all truth. It's all the word of God. So I read the book and I told my wife, this weekend, I'm dying to myself. And in my mind, when I said that, that meant it's never, I'm dead to myself. I'll never come back again. I'll never have to, after this weekend, honey, I'll never have to deal with my flesh again. Y'all laughing because you already know. How many knows my heart was in the right place? I was so naive. I actually thought that you could just die. I didn't realize that it was an ongoing process. And when you cut yourself a break in that way, but understand that I'm not making excuses for myself. I'm dealing with myself, but I realize I can't do it all in one time. It's a process. Everything didn't change the moment I got saved. I'm still renewing my mind to things. Someone said, well, I got, when I got saved, I never had a taste for alcohol ever again, or I never smoked another joint again, or I never did drugs ever again. It's just over with. And that's their testimony. Praise God. But 99% of the people, they didn't have that testimony. They've struggled some. Doesn't make them not saved. Y'all didn't, you didn't say amen loud enough for me. I'm trying to tell you, this church is not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. You ain't perfect people. But we serve a perfect Jesus who has a perfect father, who lives in us, that's perfecting us. Amen. Amen, church. We're all trying to be this way, but we can't get to that, that place of victory until we renew our mind. Our mind now is in alignment with our spirit, which is in alignment with the word of God. Amen. My character had to grow. All right. I'm going to close right here. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent... He sent him into his fields to, to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you. In your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let eat, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, church, that almost preaches by itself. But let me just say a couple things here. He receives his inheritance. And instead of taking him, he responsible for all the goodness that his father gave him. All what was rightfully his, he squandered it and living like it's a big party. All of it's gone. Nobody take care of him. Now he's working at a farm, feeding swine, living with the pigs, and just about to eat the slop. And the Bible says, and he came to himself, which means he came to his right mind. He had an epiphany. The light bulb went off in his mind. And he sees an image and he sees his father and how well he takes care of his hired help. And how well his hired help is, is treated and how well they live. And he says, watch this, I have done wrong. But my father is good. And he'll take me back. I'm not worthy to be a son, but I know he'll hire me. He's a good man. He'll hire me, and all will be right again. The Bible says he came to himself. And when he sees his father, first father comes to him, runs and kisses him, blesses him. And when he sees him, he says, first thing he says is, Father, I have sinned. He takes ownership of the wrong he's done. Church, he don't make no excuses for himself. He don't try to rationalize anything. He don't try to say, well, you know, it's just the way I've been raised. I've been a little spoiled. I probably, you know, my mom and dad, you probably shouldn't have done, you, would, you know, help me out a little bit. I've been better. Always blaming somebody else. This generation in particular plays the biggest blame game I've ever seen in my life. Don't take no ownership or responsibility for themselves. And the reason, what's going to happen? They're coming before a fall because it's nothing but Pride. But when you come to the Father, you humble yourself to the Father and you say, I blew it, I sinned, it wasn't you, it was me. And if you always make excuses for yourself, that is a perpetual cycle. You're going to repeat it over and over and over and over again. Repentance changes all of that. You want your situation to change, repent. Get it right. Get it in the blood. Let God's word begin to work on you. Walk in the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit means to walk in the truth of God's word. Let it renew your mind till you become another person. You have another thought about your life and the direction of where you're going. I'm here to tell at least two people, God's not through with you. Your past doesn't determine your future, but you've got to get a new mindset. And you got to ask God, forgive me.